listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 159 of the Testudo Times podcast, where I'm sad to inform that some teams in the Big Ten have more national championships than Maryland women's lacrosse, but none of them matter, so. They do not. This this was a piece of news that came to me on Twitter after Maryland won on Sunday, and apparently Iowa wrestling has like 23 national titles, but to me that's not relevant because not as many schools have wrestling as has women's lacrosse. I mean, at the same time, like... Big, at least Big Ten wise, you know, lacrosse isn't as big. It's growing, um, both in the conference, both are, you know, in the region and nationally. But, but still, yes, that might be be completely disparaging a Big Ten sport for the sake of Maryland being good. But, well, you know what? I'm allowed to say what I want at this point because Maryland won, and I don't want Kathy Reese to make me do wind sprints. Nope. Because I think she probably would. Uh, that was a lot of fun this weekend. There were two completely different games. Uh, the first was Maryland saying, you better not beat us, because otherwise if we get to play you again, we're going to absolutely rip your heart out and throw it to the Wolves, which is what they did. And then they won a defensive struggle on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, th- that's been the whole thing with this Maryland team, is that it can win in so many different ways. You know, they have one of the best defenses in the country. They have one of the most balanced offenses in the country. They have, you know, the best goalie in the country. It's a pretty good recipe. Um, you know, more teams should try it, I think. But, I don't know how many they tried on Maryland's level. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, the 25 goals against Northwestern, I mean, both of those are very good offenses. And it's the kind of game that you knew had a chance to be pretty high scoring, especially if both teams got in a rhythm and they did. And so it was 16-13 with like 20 minutes left. And then Maryland just clamped down and kept scoring and by the end of it suddenly you're looking at a 25 13 which just kind of staggering it's the most goals they've scored under kathy reese who's now been here 12 years 13 years and it's in a national semi it's in a national semifinal lost to on the same field yeah just just nuts um, As I said, don't make Maryland lacrosse angry because when you do, you're going to lose. And then that set up, you know, a matchup that I think we talked all year about. This is kind of the matchup you want to see. Just this is, you know, the best Boston College team they will have had in a long time. And with with all their best players being seniors, they probably won't get back to this point. <clears throat> I feel really bad for BC losing in three straight national title games. I, I, like, hated, I hate making this comparison, but it kind of feels like the men for a while, Maryland men, who just got there all the time and never got the one last win. It's I mean, like it's, it's kind of similar. It's the title game. It's a little more billsy than the men's lacrosse see because, like, that was nine chances spread out over some 40 years. Yeah, but in this decade, they made it to, before they won in 2017, they made it, what was it? three, four years beforehand, and they lost every time Memorial Day weekend and multiple times in the title game? Yeah. It's, it's yes, it is quite Billsy, but uh, I'm sorry if you were out there and you were liking the Bills and you're getting trauma from that, but it is true. I mean, but this BC team, 
it's, it's so good, and Maryland just shut them down. That was a defensive struggle, and Maryland got enough goals to win, but they were defensively just completely shutting them down, and that's an insane offense, too, with so many great players. And how many of the times did you watch them and you go, oh, that's a hockey play, which is really clever because you don't see that often in women's lacrosse, and you should probably see it more. Uh, and Maryland still shut them down. And even when they were creaking a little bit late, they gave up a couple of goals when they were a player up, and you were starting to go, uh-oh. And then they made one or two more defensive stops, and the game was over. And you're just like, this team could score 25 goals and then put the clamps down like that. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how you you know you win a championship in a sport like this. You, you have to be able to win in so many different ways. And, you know, BC's top three players, I think, had eight or nine of the ten goals. Kenzie Kent had five by herself, and she's, like, always destroyed Maryland for whatever reason. But the, they didn't fit, try to face card anybody. They didn't, you know, they just really trusted their defense and they trusted their rotations and slides. And as a result, they were able to really hold everyone pretty much in check. It was no one else. Nobody else was able to beat them. You know, like you will say, we'll let your best players beat you, but we'll rather take our chances with everybody else. And Maryland, you can afford to do that even in an, and that's what happens with Maryland. They have six 40 goal scorers and you know, all of them except for Erica Evans in this game, just kind of by chance, all of them capitalized and scored a couple goals. The the two Griffins scored three of them. Um, it's just they have so many players that can beat that can beat you, and BC has three players who that can definitely beat you. But their you know Maryland supporting cast I guess was a little bit better, and their and, and their front line attack was a little bit deeper. Made just a bunch of not quite routine saves that looked routine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's. That was especially big early. She saved seven of the first ten. She finished the game ten for twenty, which doesn't sound as impressive as it is against that offense. Um, you know, she was most outstanding player of the whole tournament for a reason. And probably won't edge out Sam Apuzo for the Tawarton. But well, one, you know, one make, makes you think about it. The other doesn't. Yeah, it makes you think about it for sure. And well, also you notice how in that game, like the Maryland fans were there, but it was mostly the alums, like former players who are all there. And it's not as if like, this is the men who are watching generations of, you know, players come in and now finally one team is able to win and then 40 years worth of pain. This is, you know, all of Kathy Reese's players who had won multiple national championships coming back and see them won another. The senior class was 88 and four. I know women's lacrosse is still kind of in balance and not particularly deep, but 88 and four is insane. Yeah, I mean, it's it's virtually impossible to do that because of the schedule Maryland plays. They just... They play the best teams every year. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't play every single well, one. Like, BC, they didn't they play BC in the BC, regular season. But they still played them. Yeah, and then they, they always play, you know, UNC, and, you know, they've had Madison in the last few years. They played Northwestern Florida, Syracuse, times. Northwestern. They they check all the boxes you you need to see checked. And... To go through that whole season. I mean, they had one undefeated year two years ago, but even then, that's an average of 22 and 1, which is unthinkable. You don't do that in any sport, basically. 
No, and and it's funny because it's only half a game better than last year's seniors who were eighty seven and four. And the year before that they were eighty nine and three. This is this is Maryland women's lacrosse. It's just as dominant this as is, any program that you could possibly find. Yeah, I mean it's it's staggering when you put those numbers out there. I mean, and here's the thing is like it's not a sport that's just Maryland and then everyone else. BC was tough, and BC had to deal with North Carolina. And North Carolina and Syracuse pushed Maryland to double overtime in College Park. And last year, James Madison won. And last year, James Madison won this whole thing. So, like, the sport is getting a lot deeper. But it's, you know, Maryland is kind of the perfect storm for everything. They have the coaching. They have the history. They have the pipelines. They have the culture at this point. Kathy Reese, and also, yeah, as we said, if Kathy Reese shows up... (laughs) In your house on a recruiting trip. Yep. Kind of hard to say no to that. Yeah, I mean, and it's so many of the players grow up watching Maryland, rooting for Maryland, and are willing to, you know, wait their turn to become a star at Maryland rather than go somewhere else, you know, play right away, produce right away, but never never be a part of that. Seventh guy at Duke or, you know, the fifth guy on the defensive line at Clemson. It's the same thing in Maryland. It's like some players are willing to wait their turn and be like fifth fiddle until they get their chance and they know they're going to have a chance to win a national championship every year because it's Maryland. Not only does Maryland get the best recruiting classes and they have another one coming in. What is it? Five of the top 11 players for next year are coming to Maryland? Five of the top 11, including number two. And it's just, you know, the line keeps moving. Yes, it is, it is almost a production line. But they also get transfers, because as Erica Evans, as you said, uh, leading goal scorer, didn't end up scoring in the National Championship game, but she's a transfer, coming in for last season in eligibility, tore her ACL last year, and she comes in and wins a National Championship. That's what the power of this program can do. And, and please don't take it for granted that it's always going to be like this, because one day it won't be. You know, we can joke right now about, hey – these Boston fans who have watched the Patriots, Red Sox, and probably the Bruins win three titles in eight months are spoiled brats, and they are. But one day it's not going to happen. And it, one day Maryland women's lacrosse is not going to win everything all the time. So you have to appreciate this while you have it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a sport that a lot of Maryland fans do take for granted. And they really, really shouldn't. I think soccer this year, because soccer is a very tough sport to win because it's a lot bigger nationally, having them make the run they made this year really allowed everyone to appreciate Sasha Sarovsky. And it's just, it's a different kind of appreciation for Kathy Reese, who's now won five titles, has 300 wins in her career, 200. She's 270 and 22 at Maryland. I you think know, just your average everyday winning percentage over like what? 960. Something absurd. Yeah. Something just absurd. And I've been able to do the math in my head. But I and Maryland does not do that with any other coach. She is by far the best at what she does in the country. And I don't think that Maryland as a school ever like doesn't appreciate what happens in some of these, you know, these non rev sports, but in the places where Maryland has always been really good, like women's lacrosse and field hockey and women's basketball, I think we kind of take where Maryland is for granted. You know, we always joke about, I do at least, that Maryland's good at the sports that really matter, the ones that you don't care about, because we know that football and men's basketball are not where they, you know, we all want them to be. But even then, it's like, you kind of take 
what Maryland does every year in the lacrosse is in field hockey and women's basketball for granted in many ways. And you kind of shouldn't because, you know, you don't have programs like this everywhere. And not every time you could say, well, I go to a school that's got 15 national championships in X, you know. And that's a lot of pride that a lot of Maryland fans should have and appreciate it more because there will be a day. Maryland will always be great at lacrosse because it's just the state of lacrosse. That's just how it is. But there will be a day when the two games of lacrosse are far deeper than they are now. And they will continue to grow because they're, they're sports that seem pretty perfect for the day and age we live in now. And Maryland will not be the dominant force in that sport anymore to the degree that they are now. So please appreciate what you have and show it in these ways. I think that Maryland fans are, but it's sometimes I think that if we just express it more, you know, publicly, that it's like we don't come off as like being entitled for watching this women's lacrosse team, which I kind of did. And I think most of us some ways kind of do if we follow this team, you know, th- that might be something that we should maybe think about for the future. <laughs> I think the thing that, that really stood out to me with this team was the senior class because, you know, it's it's also my senior year. And so these are players that I've, you know, that I've been able to watch for four years. It's Megan Taylor started in goal as a freshman. Caroline Steele was, was a big impact player as a freshman. Julia Bragg started as a freshman. And they've just all grown and become All-Americans in tour and finalists. Jen Giles was... An impact player as a freshman didn't start. And so for just all of those players to for keep these freshmen, growing. Into... They had the unbeaten season and lost to North Carolina. And then came back and went unbeaten next year. You know. Yeah, and then had the incredible down year of Losing in the national semifinals, which at Maryland is a down year. That's the down year. It's, it's incredible, and we should all appreciate them more and what they do. And I think Maryland fans genuinely do. And just as people, too, I think Megan Taylor has a per- – like, Megan Taylor and Caroline Steele, they have personalities that have really, really shined through off the field as well, just in sort of the team doing community things. or uh, Those two, they they said it a lot on, like, the telecasts. They're the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler of Maryland Moves the Cross. But, you know, it's – it's people like these are all people in in college sports and to see people develop and to become what they've become is that never gets old well it's just a shame that there isn't a women's professional league where you can watch the maryland all-star team basically destroy everyone we're kind of getting it now in men's lacrosse but even then it's not great there are leagues but it's one of those where coaching is still just like better as a as a job yeah, because all these players now coach in high school, and one of them will eventually be the next coach at Maryland. It's just a shame that there is not a, a league where they can play and make a lot of money because they should, because these are incredibly talented athletes. I think we say that with every women's sport, but we say it mostly with lacrosse because the, the interest just nationally isn't there yet. But one day, I guess, one day. And that will literally be the Maryland All-Star. You could probably have two Maryland All-Star teams play against one another. And that would be the league. I'd, I'd pay to watch that. Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, the Premier Lacrosse League, which That's actually what I was referring this weekend. To, this men's travel yeah. roadshow thing. Which I'm intrigued by. You know how that how that would work. Um, it's if you have the money, it's to got the right backing. NBC I think it does. Bubble, then you'll find out. Yeah, I mean, and they'll be on NBCSN a decent amount as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so that will be interesting to watch. I think it. 
I think it's a very good move to sort of section the teams based on colleges and pro teams. That would because be a lot. because as as Maryland fans, like all of most of most Maryland fans are going to be rooting for the team with all the Maryland players. Yeah. That's just how it, that's just how it is. If you did that at women's lacrosse, it would be a little imbalanced. Yeah, you might need two teams. Well, then it's just a matter of which one do you root for. Yes. Anyway, so congratulations to the most dominant program at Maryland and one of the most dominant programs in the Big Ten. I don't know how many national championships that has been since Maryland's come into the Big Ten, but it's a lot. So, hey, again, maybe it's because they kind of somewhat created conferences out of nowhere in lacrosse and they just dominated it in many ways. Less so for the men, more for the women, but... You take what you could get, and it's more credence to that Jim Delaney speech where at least Maryland's won some conference titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're customary dig at Rutgers on this show. Uh, we will now focus quickly on uh, basketball. It is the end of the period for declaring for the NBA draft, and no surprise, Anthony Cowan's returning to school. Everyone knew that was going to happen, and the news just sort of quietly happened that he's coming back for his senior year. So... Yeah, so the so the roster is is set basically unless something unforeseen happens. Spider you know, this is hard. Yeah, this is a box that needed to be checked here. And so with Cowan coming back, you know, you're officially looking at seven of your top eight are coming back plus the five-man recruiting class coming in. It's you know, there there is a lot to be excited about. I mean, it's it's a lot of the same that we've talked about um you know, having the depth and athleticism and some level of continuity, which that com- this combination of stuff is something Mark Turgeon just hasn't had. And we've also talked about how with everything that's gone on in Michigan, Maryland is now the challenger to Michigan state in the big 10, just kind of on paper and we'll see how it plays out. But there's there's a lot to be excited about. It's going to be an interesting offseason. They still need to fill an assistant coach spot, but it's it's hard not to look at the roster and just look just get excited. I think on the top 25 plus 1 on uh CBS, they're 6th. Maybe a bit yeah. high, but and that's the one that's been like continuously updating every week or so with all of the, you know, here are where the Housers are going, although they're both sitting out this year. They're they're going to Virginia and Michigan State. That's two schools that Maryland fans don't like. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, it's one year away, and Maryland's best year is this year, so they can't hurt Maryland this year. And you know, because of who they are and what kind of players they are, they absolutely would have torched them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to uh the Hauser game against Maryland. Uh yeah. Anyway, uh, R.J. Hampton also playing in New Zealand rather than going to Kansas. Gets to play against Melo Trimble. He does in the uh, NBL. So we don't really have ways to watch that, but, like, if we did, I would watch it. I know that the draft geeks on Twitter are going to find a way to watch it. Some pirated stream. I'm in. Well, it's interesting to just, see how just it's share going. the link. It's going to share the link with the class. Eh, I wouldn't do that. Where you can watch <laughs> these things. Trust me, I've watched some illegal streams in my life before, and it's uh, an experience. But <laughs> there's a lot otherwise that you could talk about with uh, that R.J. Hampton story. Not necessarily for this podcast, but we will see where 
all of those decisions go, and that's pretty much it for college basketball player movement now, aside from some very rare things happening afterwards. The rosters are pretty much set, basically. Yeah, there there are probably a couple, you know, recruiting nuggets and maybe some transfers, but most of the big dominoes have fallen. And get used to expectations for Maryland again. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, they didn't deal all that well with expectations in the 15-16 season where they had a lot, and I don't think they necessarily massively underachieved, but, you know, there was a good segment of Maryland fans that thought that was an underachievement, and there's going to be a lot of that this year, too. And obviously there's going to be a time to talk about that, and that will be in the future, but... Uh, before we end this basketball discussion, uh, the quick note on the assistant coaching searches. We thought that was going to happen a while ago. It hasn't yet. Do you know why? Any reasoning? Any names? What's the latest on that situation? So the names for a while that we had that we had heard were Kenny Johnson, Dwayne Simpkins, Kenya Hunter. Um, you know, current assistants at slightly smaller programs, although UConn probably isn't a smaller program. That's Hunter. Um, those seem to be the names, and it looks like, for one reason or another, those names aren't really floating around anymore. And I don't, I don't personally know what, you know, what the second line is. Um, the interim third assistant is uh, Greg Bannon Jr., but he doesn't really have the experience. Like I wouldn't expect him to stay in it because he is inexperienced, and this is a pretty important year just for Maryland and for Turgeon. If you can get a very experienced and uh, well-rounded name, you, you ought to go for it. Yeah, I would think so. And uh, I, I'm assuming that this news will come around at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. And at some point in the future, I think we'll see the news eventually break. But the fact that it's taking this long, it's a very thorough search at the very least. Maybe, you would think. Maybe. Uh, it's oh, it's not quite hiring a search firm and then hiring Damon Evans. Uh, yeah, no. Let's not go back into that. <laughs> I don't think we should go back into that. Um, a couple of other little bits and pieces of things. Uh, baseball, when we last did a show, they had one earlier that day, and then they lost the next two games. We should have done a show after the other two games. No, we shouldn't have. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, just a, just a live breakdown of of these Big Ten tournament losses at weird times. I mean, they had a game had to go into a second day. Um, it was, like, yeah, delayed for two uh, hours. Yeah. And then there was a weather delay that pushed the end of it to the next morning. And it ended as I was waiting in line at graduation. Oh, so that was, yeah, yeah, a little mobile editing. Um, that That is real commitment to the craft right there. Editing while you're in the line at graduation, lining up. Well, so we were we were outside, and weren't going to be inside for like another half hour. At that point, so. Yeah. You know, it was a good time. Mobile editing. I didn't even think to do that when I was lining up for my graduation. Although that was at night, so it was a little bit different then. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, they lost their last two games to teams they didn't really have a lot of success at. So for a season that could have gone really south really fast. The fact that they still made it to the Big Ten tournament and won a game is not really that bad. No, I mean, I think it's, you know, the season as a whole, you know, it, it wasn't some incredible season, but I think it's a step in the right direction for sure. It's a team that 
a lot of people really didn't have expectations for and had some very clear flaws just throughout the year. But, you know, it it was a team that fought and was a team that seemed to have pretty good character and it had a lot more depth than last year's team had. Like, there's more guys on the roster, sure. Um, there were a lot of new additions with with some JUCO players and some freshmen. A lot of guys who had down years last year took multi, you know, a couple steps forward. So there is there's a decent amount to be sort of encouraged about for the future, but we'll mm-hmm. see. Well, I mean, based on what you were saying at the start of the season, it sounded really doom and gloom. Yeah, I mean the the simple like they had a really down year and then lost most of their best players and also their best recruit. Um, but oh, like yeah. Maxwell Cox, Major League Baseball come. draft coming up, by the way. Yeah, I wouldn't expect Maryland to be too involved in this one. I don't think they have really any juniors who are going to get that much attention. Uh, mostly because Tyler Blome, who has who was drafted in high school, he's dealt with shoulder injuries for over a year and made some sort of abbreviated appearances at the end of this season. I would expect him to stay for his senior year and try and get some stock going for that. And then I I haven't ha- had a chance to really like look into which high school recruits may or may not go. Um, that's something we'll probably look at next week when the draft is so it is is next week so uh yeah don't expect to hear maryland's name all that often so yeah so we'll see um they do have four seniors who were all really impact players this year but to only have four seniors on a team like this so a lot should be coming back next year um it's especially easy to be excited about maxwell costas the big 10 freshman of the year first team all big 10 guy who then backed it up by hitting three homers in three games in the Big Ten tournament at a place where they don't, like, homers don't fly. Mm-hmm. So, and he even has... Costas must be good at baseball, right? Mm-hmm. You knew that joke was coming. No essays, though, on TV from this Costas, thankfully. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, no. Maybe in, a, maybe in a future time. Uh, football, not a ton to get to. They did add a couple of uh, teams on their schedule that uh, we should talk about very briefly. One of those teams, and this is in a couple years, is the beautiful Kent State Golden Flashes. Uh, if you know where Maryland's going to be getting some action, it's going to be Kent State. All about that. I'm all about that action. Like I'm. I'm, I'm all about fan. not losing the MAC teams at home. Yeah. Well, that's. Assuming that that part, you know, is taken care of, which not always. And then in 2022, they will be hosting SMU. By that time, Shane Michelle would have graduated, so he can't lose to Maryland twice. At least we're pretty sure he will have graduated. I, I don't know how college eligibility rules, but I'm assuming quarterbacks are not like Aussie punters. Yeah, I mean, that would be like his seventh year. Yeah, well... We, there's always one. There's always like Perry Ellis at Kansas who was seemingly just always there. Perry Ellis might be playing for Kansas like next year. I don't know. <laughs> he might have to. I mean, I look at their roster. That might end up needing to be happening. Like they're losing um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, to get back to a basketball joke. And the Northern Illinois road game, which, you know, again, we're scheduling games millions of years in the future. That's now in 2025. So get, get hyped to go to DeKalb. 
mark those calendars. Oh. You don't even have your 2025 calendars yet. Like you haven't bought them. No, you haven't yet. But if you check on your computer, you could get a 2025 calendar. So next year, their whole their their out of conference is Towson, Northern Illinois at home, and then at West Virginia in 2021. It's West Virginia and Kent State at home with another game that'll probably be um, FCS pay to play game. And then in 2022, they host the Fighting Bulls, Buffalo at Charlotte, 49ers. Yep, mm-hmm. and SMU. So Maryland's not exactly playing the toughest non-conference schedules in the coming years, but in 2020, no, but at the same time, Virginia like, again. But at the same time, it's really not even worth it to them to play all these non-conference games because, uh, assuming they're just the team that's trying to, Check you know, out. win as many games as you can, and scheduling teams with high enough profile to draw is, you know, that's I think the right middle ground to try and reach i think smu will interest a lot of people which they have on their schedule yeah i mean even like syracuse coming this next year with back end of a home and home they scheduled a million years ago the front end of that was five years ago Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's weird how these things work out but um, i mean when you play in the big 10 east you're going to be playing the top 10 toughest schedule yeah and playing a ninth conference game as well Unless college football expands to 13 games in their schedule, which they never will do. But, I mean, they already kind of do with the conference tournaments and then the two games. and the Well, maybe by 2025 they'll expand to the playoff, and who knows. Yeah, a lot can happen. I should also mention there is one other little news note thing that I should talk about. And it comes from soccer. Of course it does. And it is not me making fun of the two teams that just played in soccer's NIT final earlier the day we were recording this, although I could easily spend an hour making fun of that because, Lord willing, we all should. Uh, I believe Chris Oduyachum, who, as you know, Maryland alum, is dealing with fighting cancer, started tonight for DC United. And this is we're recording this Wednesday night. So congratulations to him. That's absolutely great. I've been reading up on that story and what he's been trying to do to, to just play all things considered, and let alone start an MLS game is incredible. So congratulations to him, and that is a good Terp doing good things. So wanted to mention that for tonight. And uh, is that all that we have? I think that's it, other than uh, Kathy Reese is awesome. That's mostly it. Uh, we'll we'll be talking about track probably next week. Uh, this, year, this year it's five Terps in the, at Nationals. Last year was six, although this year there were a lot more Terps at Regionals. So it's it's still a program trying to grow without a ton of of backing, although the backing is a little more. Well, as it's almost time for Maryland to get the full Big Ten payouts, almost time. Not almost. quite yet, but close. And I also should mention, if you are looking around on Thursday on the Internet, you will note that Maryland's first three football games will have times and networks. That would be Howard, Syracuse, and... I forget who Temple. the opponent is. Temple, yes. And also the Friday night game against Penn State will have a network. So if you look around for that, you will see that today if you're listening to this, if it's Thursday. Uh, so you can already plan ahead for what time of day and how many uh, hours of your life you have to spend watching Maryland football in the fall. Get excited. Uh, Hashtag locked in. I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> Although I should, maybe. Uh, anyway... 
We will talk to you soon, uh, as it is the month of June. We're entering a bit of a, a fallow period. We're going to have some new ideas for the podcast. We're going to try to put some things out in the coming days and weeks. But until then, of course, go Terps.